मैं अगले वक्ता के रूप में विठल चंद्र नादकर्णी जी को आमंत्रित करता हूं आप अपनी बात नर्मदा यात्रा पर रखेंगे विठल नादकर्णी Okay, so the, I presume you can all read. So I'm not going to say this. Narmada Yatra. I'll start with a question: What qualifies a writer or a dreamer like me to speak to this wonderful conference? I'm here because I wrote two books. They link water and travel. the first was on narmada's double looped parikrama and this is the title i i didn't want to this is the book that i did it was also released on the banks of the narmada the second edition was called namami devi narmade the second book was on the river godavari about which you heard such beautiful things Uh, on the simhast kumbha on how to make it safer and fulfilling i've been traveling actually ever since i started working 50 years ago and just to bring a perspective just last month the times of india carried my latest adventure on kashmir's aquatic history and uh, one of my early cover stories was on the idea of the world as water the illustrated weekly carried it where i started working with sardar kushwant singh it so enthused the air india chairman then daveshwar ji that he had it printed for his first class passengers that's how it came to be used in the world press review now let me get to the topic so that we don't beat around the bush my narmada yatra started at amarakantak where the great river originates i traveled there prior to my editorial assignment of benevent benevolent narmada a coffee table book which was created by the noted photographer hari mahidar i traveled widely in the narmada basin reporting on the politics on the you know the fight over water resettlement but i had never been able to get to the origin and it wasn't because of want of trying i used to book and at the last minute i had to cancel and this this happened more than four five times thanks to my career as a journal uh i even thought that this was not in my destiny so we are talking about uh, miracles so in december 2 2014 a friend of mine from hyderabad wanted some information about courses of photography in new york and i knew hari was one of the experts who had great info because he was a internationally renowned photographer so when i went to meet him he told me that he had just finished a six year project on narmada and he needed an author so i asked him haven't you yet already given this book to prime minister modi because that was my knowledge so he said it wasn't a, it was a proof of concept book without narrative it had only captions and you know uh, 
So here was my chance to play Henry Morton Stanley. In case you don't know who he is, he was the guy who went in the search of the origin of Nile, the, uh, the great African uh, colonizer and the explorer David Livingston is associated with his story. But except the uh, comparison is not quite right because unlike the Nile, the source of the Narmada has been known right from ages past. It is known even in before the birth of Christ. And the Romans, Greeks, all of them speak about Narmada in the most wonderful way. I've curtailed all that. It's there in my paper, which is going to be shared. Uh, so now let's get to the point of how this congruence between science and spirituality comes. <clears throat> Archaeologists say that Narmada probably evolved some 4,000 million years ago. That was when you had this one whole world continent called Pangaea. Imagine, there was no India then, but there was Narmada. This is what makes Narmada the mother of all rivers. It exists, you know, before India was born. And I was talking to Reva Prasadji during tea and he says that he is actually quoting the verses that I have quoted in my talk. He says that when the world ends too, she will remain. And how, how do you distinguish her with a line? So those verses also I have, I have uh, uh, paraphrased. She is the only river that remains at the end of the world, says the sage. This is why we, the river is called Immortal Narmada or Amrutasya Narmada. Now my own tryst with Narmada started at Bhedagat. The river falls here on the marble rocks, you know, in a spectacular fall called Dhuadar. Now I leaned over the wet railing to take a selfie. I looked around and what do I see? A plastic bottle with a blue label. And it is winking at me use and throw and I was quite shocked at you know in this pure river you are having all this garbage you know uh, I also saw people horsing around you know in the river with their shoes you know and they seemed to be pretty oblivious to what they were doing to this stream not that I am romanticizing it I'm talking about the ecological sense, the sacred sense, and you know, how, how you treat people's asta. That was the point. Now, I found a wonderful verse which explains this in the great sage Bhartarahari. If you know, he is the Raja of Ujjain. He says, blame the river Narmada for this. He says in Nitishataka, she shouldn't have come out of heaven at all, you know, because having come here, now she's got these bucks doing all this to her. <clears throat> so to Im uh, imagine the adverse effect that we are having on her, you have to go there now and see how we are treating this virasat. I don't want to get into the negativity. So what we've done in the book is done a cultural profile of the river, not the political changeable protean profile. Now, Poets, philosophers like Kabir have already always warned us that pilgrimages can be empty exercises in devotion. And he says, you know, Moko kaha dhundere bande, main tu tere paas. So you don't have to really go. 
And something similar is also said by Christian uh, priests and uh, you know mystics and others, which is there on a more elaborated scale in my written paper. What I was going to say is uh, towards the end is that the number of pilgrims going to the world's holy places has been growing exponentially. An estimated 2.5 million pilgrims arrive in an area less than three square miles in Mecca. Some 120 million visitors flocked to the Mahakumbh held in Allahabad in 2013. Now, what aids and what abates and what sparks these yatras? Anthropologists say that it could be due to our collective, may I use the word, obsession with expiation of sin and of hoarding of merit that ostensibly results. I'm saying ostensibly not in a, in a uh, non-reverential way, but imagine you go there and then you wash your feet and you have this feeling that now you are, you know, vimukta from the murder that you created in some kshetra. This is one of the ploys that I discovered when I was doing the, uh, you know, analysis of the ways in which we sanctify our, our surroundings. One, some 120 million visitors came to the Mahakum, I, I, I said, and what I'm going to do is now conclude, actually, because I think you've all had a very long day. And I don't want to be, you know, giving you more gyan or more... Uh, I'm only going to talk about the binary that exists in travel. You know, and this is also from a blog, like the popular one that... Uh, Anuradhaji runs, <coughs> uh, and she has written on the mythology of water. And she says that in the myths, we are told that, you know, the world came out of chaos. That it was, you get that in the beginning, etc., in Genesis of the Bible. And now the paradox that I'm going to talk to you is that as travelers, we don't want chaos. You know, this is what Nagraji was telling me. We, we want order, we want, we want transcendence, we want, we want peace, we want happiness, you know. So how do we do that at a mega mela where there are going to be more than 75 million people? That is the kind of uh, exercise I indulged in for the government of Maharashtra with the support from UNICEF. And, uh, but... Let me tell you, and I'm, please hold your breath, that is a story for another session. Thank you. So, uh, what you meant was that pilgrimages basically don't mean essentially shouldn't be connected to uh, this uh, like yatras, like why we need 
to do yatras for pilgrimage purposes uh, while with the seek of the search of God lies within. So to my very, very little understanding, what I think that pilgrimages were promoted and are promoted maybe because the reasons are hidden, the, because of the hidden reasons. The reason that is shown is the search of God or maybe forbidding getting rid of the sins that we have done. The underlying reasons could be, uh, I'd like to, um, uh, like I'd like you to answer this, could it be possibly because when we promote pilgrimages, we promote the inflow of uh, you know tourists, and they in a way uh, boost local economy. Yes. And maybe the other reason would be like we have char dhams at the north, uh, south, east, and west, so that the cultural uh, a person living in the northern part of the India could go to the south and see the southern culture and maybe uh, you know interact uh, on like that cultural basis. Is it like that? Uh, may I know your name, ma'am? Sir, I'm Ankita Khatri. Uh, first of all, let me say that you have answered all the questions. <laughs> no, actually. No. That is not yes. a joke, really. really. My next project is on the idea of uniting India through the concept of Panchayatana. Now, when the Shaligram Panchayatana, we, I had a beautiful vivaran from Nagaraji during lunch, where what was the idea? You take stones from different places, you know, not even icons or vigras. From Sonabhadra, you take a red stone, you take a spatika, you take a Gandaki Shaligrama, or you take a Banalinga from Narmada, and then you bring them together on a single platform. So this is the national unity in diversity. You know? So this was the point that you talked about. Then how do you, how do you join the sacred geography of India? Look at the names of the orders created by the great Adi Shankaracharya. Aranya, Giri, Sagara. They are talking about the sacred places of India and they are our Maharajas. They are our Mahants. So they also become the militant arm. I'm talking as, as because I'm a journalist and a, you know, I c cover politics more than that. Now the third point that you made was of money. Follow the money because it generates revenue and meaning and show the yatras that uh, this wonderful presentation made. All that's it, that is done and the Mahatmyas are often crafted to justify that also. I'm not saying it critically because we've done analysis. There are two or three other things. But the main thing that I want to now focus on is how art, philosophy and uh, geography is used to keep India united. And I'm not talking unity as, as a virtue. Yeah? OK. The second question. What she was saying. Uh, uh, basically, thank you very much for this wonderful presentation. Uh, I'm really thrilled to learn about uh, Narmada. Uh, a simple question was, uh, as she was also pointing out, pilgrimages, because I am also trying to work uh, in my own domain, seem more like symbols. So they are symbols and they are not the essence. They want to tell us something well, else. So that's something, that's a brief comment. That you I know, we, like can, we can discuss sure, this sure. because, yeah. Uh, and one more question which yeah. I had uh, was regarding, so you also had something related to development. Yes. So... Uh, 
recent reports are also showing that because of human activity, the green cover in India and China has manifolded as compared to many other countries. Can I call you Sweetheart? Sure, definitely. Okay. You know, this is, this is my editorial comment on the Times of India. 9% of the world's area is contributing 33% of the forest. If you take China and India, that is the success of the regreening drive. But that is only part of the story. You know, let's, we can take this up further. Any, any yeah, that's I it. I would say let's take it. Can we take it offline while you're here? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's well, I, I hope I'm not acting like the big censor, but I'm trying to be fair to the other speakers. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Thank, Thank you, you very Thank much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.